Inflation. 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 So, your Robinhood dashboard's got a little red on it. Well, we might know why. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell, while on a Wall Street Journal conference, mentioned this. We think we're likely to see inflation move up during the course of this year. Businesses will be potentially hit by a lot of demand as the economy recovers, which is a good thing. But you could see bottlenecks, you could see prices moving up. We're, we're inclined to see those as, as transient. Transient. That means, well, maybe this is just happening temporarily. What I'm worried about when I hear that kind of talk Every great inflation is made by a central bank that dismisses it as due to transient factors. And so at a certain point, when you start having a transient factor every month, then you've maybe got a permanent factor going over, going uh, overall. Inflation basically means things are getting more expensive. Your $3 taco might be $6 after the pandemic is over. The issue with what he mentioned was that he followed it up with, well, I'm not gonna do anything about it. Traditionally, the Fed exists to control inflation. It's a part of their mandate. Yet this time, the Fed just basically explained that they won't be raising interest rates to try to curb inflation. Is the Fed right? Is this a transient event? Or is it something that might turn into a far worse economic event? But really, what is inflation like? How does it really work? And how do you protect yourself from it? Welcome to THC, where we unpack the ever-changing technology economy. Hang out with Jed, Shikar, and Adrian as we tackle the industries of tomorrow. This is Things Have Changed. So in our last inflation episode, we didn't just cover inflation uh, on the surface. We wanted to dive into a particular industry that has affected all of us the most, and that's the food industry. You know, through COVID, our spending habits have changed, but one thing that's been consistent is the purchase of food and those caviar DoorDash uh, deliveries that we're, you know, making to get through this pandemic. They're the same company now. They are the same company. <laughs> and uh, so today we wanted to touch on inflation again because things are starting to pivot and change a little bit. We've had massive amounts of stimulus Things are starting to look like they're going to go back to normal as vaccines roll out. And there's a lot of uh, uncertainty in the direction of the economy or in, in a kind of a, uh, a point where there's really two ways the economy can go. Either it bounces back and fully recovers and we start to see crazy amounts of inflation or we start to ease back into a normal uh, economy and things getting back to normal as everyone's vaccinated, businesses open, and we, you know, try to get some slim amount of normalcy. So currently, the U.S. is still missing 10 million jobs. 
What does that mean? That means that there's 10 million people still looking for jobs and they haven't been filled up yet. Uh, so we shouldn't be worrying about inflation, right? I mean, 10 million jobs missing. There's still uh, many people earning less than what they were already. Heavily impacted industries like the service industry are still trying to get a bearing into how they're going to keep moving forward. So in a traditional sense, right, what Adrian is describing, like why would 10 million jobs missing mean that um, we shouldn't worry about inflation? Um, that's because of the Phillips curve, right? In a very traditional sense, you think, okay, if there's high unemployment, there's low inflation, period. Which, because of high unemployment, the thought there is, because there's a scarcity of, um, of available workers, it's harder to get them for a specific amount, for a specific price. So prices for those wages will decrease because there's clearly little demand for these workers right now. Now, the fear is if we fill all those jobs with low unemployment, right? The fear is that there's a lot of demand for these employees yeah. and there's not enough supply for yeah. them. They have to fight for them. They have to fight. The companies have to fight for talented um, employees. They got to fight for talent. So wage prices will go up, right? Companies will start paying higher wages for each um, employee. The, what's critical to understand um, that relationship and, and even the Phillips curve is the relationship of supply and demand, right? So if there's, if there's too much supply in the market and there's very little demand, prices will drop. Inversely, there's very little supply in the market and there's a lot of demand, prices will definitely rise. Think about it as, you know, one of Schicker's stupid high products, right? Think about one of those. There's so much demand for those little products. They could go for around $100, $200 per shoe, really, like the actual price that they want to, you know, they want to be out there. But because there's so much freaking demand and so little supply, that price shoots up. Yeah. Limited drops, Limited too, drops. Like everything. They yeah, literally yeah. create inflation for these type of, of uh, products, right? It all goes comes down to the trickle-down effect, you know. If there's more people earning money and more people in the market working full-time jobs, that means their incomes are higher. And if they have higher incomes, that means they're spending more. And if they're spending more, they're driving the economy. Things are booming along smoothly. So it's it's good to have a certain amount of that, right? Because it means the economy is moving. Like people are spending, people that are engaging with the economy. Trades happening, now, transactions are happening. Yeah. But the, the, what happens when there is a supply-demand mismatch? Like what the pandemic created, where, you know, like suddenly there's all this pent-up savings that we spoke about. And now once the vaccine rolls out, everyone wants to go out and spend go out we spoke about that trip to hawaii that trip to paris everyone wants wants to spend there's there was a recent stat like for the people in the highest um age um age bracket so the boomers and above they have seen a crazy uptick in airline tickets that they have booked since vaccine mass rollout started in feb and this is across the world. So you're seeing uh, these guys already decide, hey, we sat at home for a, for a year. Let's go out and just... People are sick of it. People are sick of this lockdown. Do you guys remember when uh, we had that supply shock in oil? There were 20 tankers off the coast of California. Oil prices went negative. That's 
you know, partially due to COVID and the shocks in the supply and demand of oil, uncertainty of what people are going to be consuming in terms of oil and transportation, travel. What's, what's crazy is that when did that happen? Like April and May when, when COVID just hit? So it swung that side, like an extreme side, extreme end of the pendulum swing. And now it's coming back and we're seeing like almost what, 25% increases in oil prices since Jan. So you're seeing people are now moving around. They are doing these road trips. They are flying out, obviously fuel costs. There's a sudden explosion in demand that's not only restricted to like oil, but it's also, it's, you know, like lumber, lumber. We spoke about the housing issue where there's just not enough houses and construction projects are like 10 years. Like there is a 10 month wait in construction projects right now because, you know, the raw materials aren't there. Same with semiconductors, which we'll cover later where, you know, the whole world went digital and suddenly if software is eating the world, the chips are the teeth, right? So without the teeth, you cannot have software eating up the world. So what happened when everyone went virtual was everyone, you think you're using the cloud, but it's actually some server in like Utah or Nevada or someplace. It's just like, a, you know, a mass storage in one of these isolated locations. So ultimately it's the chips and no one can manufacture the chips. The chips is caused cars to not manufacture to transportation delays right because we expected so think about it early 2020 right when we started seeing things shut down and countries shut down you know businesses started shutting down too okay and because businesses started shutting down suddenly the supply for a certain amount of goods started decreasing of course if there's not enough demand for your good what are you going to do you're not going to produce much of it anymore Right. So maybe prior to that, you know, uh, fucking, I don't know, maybe handkerchiefs used in restaurants. Right. Maybe they're producing millions of those a day. But then all the restaurants closed. OK. And when all the restaurants closed, they couldn't produce the same amount of napkins as before. And they start reducing, reducing, reducing what they're producing in those factories, right? And then another way to understand that is when you reduce that capacity, a lot of these supply chains are very feeble. Okay, so when they're making these products, they have certain contracts for how much they expect to be producing at this time. And then they reduce those estimates and they don't lease out the same amount of spaces that they need to be able to produce this product, X, Y, Z. That becomes a totally different calculation, right? They're not prepared for this. Also, like the world manufacturing in general, everyone's just optimized on demand and supply. So it's like everyone's lean. And when there is a shock that happens, you don't have the capacity to fill things. So you're like in extreme constraint to like to to meet demand. And that's the PPE shortages that we saw earlier this year as well uh, across the world. So we've, t- we've touched on how rising oil prices, shortages in raw materials and transportation uh, delays and issues and bottlenecks are creating uh, worries that inflation is going to come back. Well, there's another factor to add to that. Not only do we have all these variables going on, we're about to get $1.9 trillion in stimulus to help get, get us through the pandemic. The more popular inflationary pressure is government spending. 
like when inflation started becoming the number one enemy of America in the 1970s, it was because of government spending on Vietnam, on all these social programs and whatnot. Like government spending is a huge thing where economists just go like, okay, hold up, that's going to cause inflation. Let's not do that. That's exactly what, you know, Michael Burry guy who was highlighted in the big short movie, if you've watched that, um, is, is saying about the $1.9 trillion stimulus right now, right? Is that, there is a huge possibility that putting this much money in the economy, raising M2 levels is going to cause inflation to come back, you know, heavily. So that's one of the things that, that is a worry on economist side when you think about, you know, government spending. The bill is quite staggering. 1.9 trillion, you can't even put like, you know, you can't even imagine that dollar amount. It's just got like 15 digits in it uh but there are yeah there are some good things in it the fact that you know they're doing the child child care and stuff where um they're gonna cut child poverty by 50 percent. that's like okay that's so there are parts of that where of that package when you unpack it you're like okay we can see how if we spend a trillion dollars on military shit why not a 1.9 trillion to make sure that your you have you know uh, good health services for the people um, in such a um, deadly during such a deadly pandemic, and then you know small businesses, obviously states and schools get a lot of um, support. So and a lot of um, support to the vaccines and testing as well. Basically, this whole rollout is being fueled with that 1.9 trillion, right? There are good aspects to it, but it's still such a huge dollar amount that it's like it's it's been taking a beating for a while now. The dollar against the basket of currencies that it's uh, compared to. You know, as we're talking about inflation and where it's happening in the economy, why it's different this time, and and you know the possibility of this becoming a really terrible event for 2021. Why is inflation bad anyway? Right, we're talking about all this consumer spending. Right. We're talking about all these uh, jobs, you know, coming back potentially when, when seems positive, right? Yeah, see, it seems positive. Prices rise. But if you see everybody else making money, like what's the issue? So maybe maybe we can go into why inflation is so bad. What the very first reason that comes to mind, you know, we talk about supply chain shocks, right? We're, we're thinking about, OK, you know, if food prices rise, maybe I spend a little bit more on food. You know, if if the price of my shoes rise, I spend a little more on shoes, right? But if we think about it, like from a business perspective, right? If you were if you were a huge scale business and you were greatly affected by the recession, or sorry, by COVID, which actually is a recession, um, then you would be trying to optimize for how you can produce exact amounts to be able to sell to your customers, right? And I think one thing that inflation makes very difficult is planning, right? That's one of the things. So for us to be able to avoid certain, you know, supply and demand mismatches to cause the inflation itself, we need to be able to tell what's happening in the next few months. And because it's so unpredictable, like literally every country and every state in the U.S. has a different plan, right? To roll out vaccines, to roll out, you know, to, to go back to normal and whatnot. High inflation definitely makes planning difficult. Uncertain inflation causes consumers to not know how much prices are going to be in the future. 
how much buying power they will have to purchase cars, homes, whatever big purchases they're going to make. If you look at the whole supply chain, a small event in, um, I don't know, the source, like say China, has a big impact on the final product with regards to cost, quality, whatever, right? Now, a global pandemic, which has stalled like transportation and um, storage costs are up and oil is now increasing. So now that all gets put on to the consumers, you know, um, so say Adrian's favorite taco shop is now $4 tacos rather than $3, you know, things like that starts to happen and you realize, okay, I can purchase less with the same amount of money. So my $5 can purchase, my $6 can purchase just one taco instead of two tacos a year ago. I think one thing that our listeners should be wary of is, you know, we're going through tough times. People are being a little bit more conservative, putting money aside, saving, making sure they have that buffer for however many months. But, you know, with this new rise of inflation, saving money isn't going to be the best uh, place to put your money in. Um, Savings rates are really low. And inflation is just going to eat up your buying power of uh, the money that you have put aside. So that's something that I think people need to be aware of. Are you indirectly asking people to go YOLO long on like GameStop and (laughs) shit? Bro, this is not that, this is not that kind of podcast, dude. I said no such thing. (laughs) (laughs) So we have seen inflation pressures impacting us, but it hasn't been that crazy. 2008 happened, the whole financial recession. And we, we had a similar like stimulus package back then, like how much was it, 800, 900 billion, which seemed like a lot back then. Now we're pr- printing like trillions, like it's nothing. Uh, but, but it didn't really hit us. And that's an interesting aspect where people are like, okay, hang on, something's happening with that we are, we are missing the boat on. And that boat is the biggest boat in our economy right now, where four companies, five companies own 90% of the wealth, uh, which is basically Fang, your Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, blah, blah, blah. But, but what, what do we mean by that? Well, technology, if you've seen like a graph of the things that have actually deflated in value, right? I, we were just having a chat with prior to this call, like when I grew up in India, Bangalore, when the first 32-inch Samsung TVs came out, my family went out and bought it and, you know, cost-adjusted was $1,000. This was 10 years ago. Now, a 66-inch TV is $250. So you can see, like, what technology and, like, just improving um, on scale can do to you you know your radios your transistors your moore's law everything is like it technology has moved the ball so quickly over the last 20 years that things that have been touched by technology have really depreciated in value are you saying that technology is our our scapegoat out of inflation it's our solution it 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 won't solve everything but even if the supply demand mismatch exists right we have these incredibly complex um, 
ML algorithms and AI algorithms that predict with edge cases what could potentially happen and bake it into your model. So now say I'm a producer of avocados and I use this software to optimize, you know, what's coming out at the end, um, optimize how much to manufacture to meet the demand. Now with that algorithm, algorithm, I'm like, okay, I can manufacture 105% of what we actually manufacture because that 5% is baked in. And if that does not sell, we can repurpose it into something else. Like a good example is like flight tickets, right? Airlines always overbook flights. Why? Have you ever been on a flight where they're like, oh, there are more people on this flight than there needs to be. So we can put you on the next flight and give you a thousand bucks. Technology has enabled so many, um, such, an, such a lean operation with baking in um, like just random events in the, in the market that it hasn't impacted our lives a whole lot. But the pandemic was a ridiculous black swan event, right? So that caused a whole lot. But even then, it wasn't really felt like we are seeing crazy prices now, increase like soy, corn, we spoke about that. but. You would imagine that the world is locked down for a year and a half and you would think things have gone crazy, crazy bad, right? But it has not. So that's an interesting insight to kind of think about. We saw the general cash in the economy, M2, we saw it grow to three trillion in six months. Ridiculous, right? That's how much we grew in six months. So you know, what do we do? We're all scared, you know, and prices go up, whatever. Maybe we invest in gold and something like that. What can governments do? Well, fiscal policy is out of the question. They can't spend their way out of this one. In fact, that's an additional, you know, that's an additional inflationary pressure. Monetary policy, monetary policy's whole job, you know, what is monetary policy? That's the Fed, right? Their whole job is to try to control inflation. So what can they do to curb inflation given how much we've spent, right? their whole strategy on when inflation goes up and now they have a 2% target, they're, they're okay with going a little bit above 2%. What can they do? Well, they hike rates, right? They hike interest rates. So every time we've seen a hike in interest rates, there's an upcoming deflationary pressure. Money starts becoming expensive again. So as you're thinking about, you know, what am I going to do in the next few months if inflation does happen? You know, one is <laughs> savings isn't really good. Spending might not be amazing. Investing in something that's deflationary might be helpful for you. Hey, thanks so much for listening to our show this week. You could subscribe to us. And if you're feeling generous, well, you could even leave us a review. Trust me, it goes a long, long way. You could also follow THC at THC underscore pod on Twitter and LinkedIn. This is Things Have Changed.